The sounds of success vary from person to person. Over to second in time on the first double play. Success sounds like this to a Credenz soybean grower. When you pick Credenz, you get a precise variety that fits your field. A variety built to work in your soil type and conditions with targeted traits for local pest and disease pressures. Earning the satisfaction of a successful soybean crop, that's smart. Talk to your authorized Credenz retailer or local BASF seed advisor. Always read and follow label directions. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Good morning, everybody. I am Rusty Halverson, sitting in for Mike Adams this week, Farm News Director of the American Ag Network. Proud to produce Mike's show. We've got a big show this week. We've got a lot of good guests on the show today and also throughout the week. And we get things started with our first guest from Washington, D.C., a friend of mine, Spencer Chase from AgriPulse Communications. Spencer, how's everything going so far today in uh, Washington, D.C. as we kick off this new week? No, things are going pretty good. It's going to be a busy uh, busy week here in Washington. Congress has a lot on its to-do list, got a number of things it's got to accomplish. And here uh, one month from today, government funding expires, so that's uh, going to be certainly on the radar, as well as House Democrats continuing to meet with uh, Robert Lighthizer, looking to iron out some of the details over the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. So a lot of things going on. Uh, we uh, I say this a lot, but uh, in our business, we certainly don't lack for content these days. Yeah, exactly, Spencer. Now, Senate Republicans, I understand, uh, your organization reported earlier today, they want to advance a fiscal 2020 domestic spending package as soon as this week. Do you have any details about that? So what they're looking to do is, you know, the House and Senate both need to pass uh, spending bills of their own, and then they need to come to conference and kind of kumbaya over the differences between them. So uh, something to watch as far as agriculture is concerned is uh, funding for a move to, to uh, Kansas City for the Economic Research Service and the National Institute of Food and Agriculture. The Senate is looking to include funding for that move. The House, not so much. So that's something they're going to have to rectify. You know, also just a number of uh, things to consider. You know, keep in mind, Senate is controlled by Republicans. House is controlled by Democrats. So there's going to be some differences between uh, those two chambers and the bills they produce. And again, need to come to some kind of funding mechanism to either fund the government for the rest of the fiscal year by November 21st or, more than likely, a continuing resolution that's going to move it, uh, you know, another month or two or three down the road. Yeah, you talk about uh, the relocation of those services, uh, ERS and uh, NEFA, and that came up during a House subcommittee hearing last week in Washington, D.C., and there's still some, uh, some angst about that because it seems like far fewer USDA employees than officials were expecting are actually going to make that move to Kansas City. What are you hearing out there in D.C.? Well, the numbers, uh, as you mentioned, the numbers, quite frankly, just have not been good of, of folks that are that are interested. Uh, we do know, uh, and, uh, you know, the Scott Hutchins, the USDA official testifying at that hearing, did say that they're looking to kind of expedite their hiring process and really get after it because, you know, quite frankly, they have a lot of vacancies that they need to fill, and uh, they're, you know, hoping to fill them with qualified applicants. But as of right now, it's, I mean, there's just no way it wouldn't slow department operations for a little bit. You know, there's it'd be, it'd be kind of tough to run uh, run any operation with only 30% of your staff. And so they're looking to uh, you know, figure out what uh, how they can prioritize some of their efforts and uh, make sure that they can still get the job done and keep folks posted on maybe some delayed timelines for things like uh, grant funding through NEFA because a lot of uh, a lot of land grant institutions really rely on that funding to fund some of their research. And so they're you know, anxiously awaiting those funds. Now, 
over in the House, negotiations said to be increasing, according to your organization, uh, between Democrats and U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer over the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. Uh, those talks said to be intensifying. But for this week ahead in Washington, D.C., uh, are there going to be distractions because of uh, the discussions we're having about the impeachment investigations? Are there going to be distractions about the Nationals playing in the World Series? What do you think, Spencer? Well, certainly the Nationals playing in the World Series are gonna, is going to be a distraction for the, Dakotas, uh, for the Dakota representatives among us. You know, there is a big yeah. football game this weekend, and yeah. that will keep a lot of my attention. But, well, uh, I was going to bring no, that up later in our yeah, talk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, the, the House Democrats have been adamant, you know, and they, we've, we've asked this uh, in our organization as well as a number of others, you know, if they can still pursue some of these legislative priorities of the Trump administration while also trying to impeach the president. They've been adamant that, uh, that they can do both at the same time. They don't see the two as necessarily related. I mean, they, they see this as something that they can try to accomplish, this USMCA deal. And, you know, politically, they need to show that they're trying to legislate as well. So that's another potential, you know, another potential avenue for them is to look at this as a way to show that, yes, we can get something done even as we're trying to pursue this impeachment. Okay. Now let's get to the fun stuff. There is a small football game coming up. Uh, if folks don't know, I am a graduate of North Dakota State University. You, a graduate, a graduate of South Dakota State University. And there is a small rivalry between our two schools, and uh, we like to tease each other about it uh, a little little bit and i'm gonna i'm gonna light you up on twitter later on today spencer just uh just a little heads up good okay yeah well you know as as a, as a former resident of the superior dakota i uh, i full well accept you know a little bit of a, a little bit of punching from the neighbor up north but no no it, it, it's perfectly fine looking forward to a great game on saturday it should be should be all kinds of fun and you know we got espn coming to town it'll be a, it'll be a good deal yeah that's going to be awesome and also uh for our listeners our national association of farm broadcasting you are actually uh running for a, a national office and you sent me a very nice note in the mail but you spelled my name wrong it was rusty go jacks halverson i i, I mean uh, I think you. I think you might have made a little error on the uh, on no, the that, order. That's, uh, what, what that is. What that is is a nickname that I'm going to try and get going. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll okay. amongst the membership. We'll, we'll make it happen. Don't worry. Okay. I like that a lot, Spencer. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, again, for the week ahead, uh, we uh, will we have uh, funeral proceedings? Uh, will there be a little uh, a time spent uh, remembering uh, Elijah Cummings this week in Washington D.C.? You know, that's also something that uh, that they're going to have to consider on Capitol Hill is working. You know, you, you hate to put it in this context, but, I mean, they are going to have to work around some scheduling on, on something like that, too. He was a very respected member of Congress. A lot of folks are going to be looking to pay their respects on that front. So, you know, that's, uh, that's a scheduling hurdle and also, a, you know, a personal and emotional hurdle that they'll have to, have to overcome as well. Okay. Well, we've got plenty on the docket for this week. Uh, we've got trade, as we talked about. We've got the, the impeachment things, uh, the clock ticking on spending negotiations, that continuing resolution, uh, resolution uh, funding the government since the start of uh, fiscal year October 1st, again expiring November 21st. So, uh, again, we're kind of in a crunch time frame for getting these things done. Yeah, and I saw somebody Somebody had a, a counter that they had posted on Twitter, and I forget the exact details of it. But, you know, basically they have a month on the calendar uh, now between uh, government funding set to expire. And in that time, there's about 10 legislative days, and that's including half days that they typically use for, for travel. And they'll get out of here at about noon to get on the, the quickest plane out of Washington. So in that time, they're hoping to potentially move an impeachment resolution, potentially consider the USMCA, and also do something to fund the government. 
And those are three things that are going to take a lot of time and a lot of legislative oxygen, something that uh, is not really an abundance of in this town right now. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any plans for the uh, for the World Series? Are you going to watch anywhere special? or Will you be able to make a game, do you think? I, I'm going to give it a shot, but at the same time, I was looking online, and last uh, and I haven't checked in a few days, but the get-in price was about $700. You're kidding. And, uh, so <laughs> I am not rusty. So it'll be it'll be it'll be a rough one to try to make it to that. Looking to, looking forward to cheering them on. Yeah, holy cow! Cue the music. That's that's expensive, Spencer. <laughs> holy, holy! Well, thank you so much for being our first guest this week, Spencer. And uh, we will see you on the road somewhere. I'm sure. Sounds good. Always a pleasure, Rusty. All right, thank you very much, sir. Spencer Chase with AgriPulse Communications. More coming up on AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Some measure success by Italian suits, corner offices, and luxury yachts. Farmers measure success differently. It's breathing fresh country air, taking care of the people you love, and knowing how to measure success in your soybean acres? That's smart. With Credenz Soybeans, you get a precise variety bred to fit your acres. And that Credenz variety comes with agronomic expertise and local insights from your BASF team. So plant your sign of success. Talk to your authorized Credenz retailer or local BASF seed advisor. Always read and follow label directions. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back, everybody. Rusty Halverson filling in for Mike Adams this week on AOA. We go now to DTN Senior Ag Meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, how is your work week starting off on a Monday? Well, good morning, Rusty. Uh, it's kind of cool and cloudy down here in Omaha, and uh, we had a little bit of a rain squall move through last night on Sunday, but uh, it wasn't as heavy as uh, I'm seeing on uh, some other parts of the uh, central U.S. today, and we certainly did not get the kind of uh, severe weather they got down in the Dallas-Fort Worth area that uh, is moving into the Delta today. So it's uh, sort of a typical mid to late October-ish type of Monday morning. I would be uh, fine if it wasn't quite as rainy, but, you know, the rut, it seems, and uh, there's a lot of that still happening. Yeah, um, I was thinking over the weekend here uh, in the Fargo area, uh, where our our offices are located, uh, compared to Omaha, you know, we had uh, some light rain start on Sunday, continuing into this Monday morning, and it's not good for the guys trying to harvest. Folks are, uh, as if as you see on Twitter, folks are trying to get some stuff done around the countryside, but I would uh, equate this, Bryce, to to moving a piano you get it a couple of feet and, and then you just you're stuck again and and then you're waiting that's kind of the harvest is has been uh that's the way we've been treated this this year dribs and drabs it seems it uh, certainly is it's been a, a tough season and uh we're we're still having more of it it's uh, impressive how the uh, moisture area is uh, so widespread because we're getting the rain in uh, eastern and central North Dakota. Uh, Minnesota is getting quite a bit of rain, uh, locally heavy. 
uh, today, right now, and then uh, that rain is just tracking all the way down the Mississippi Valley, clear into the Gulf Coast, and it's starting to spread eastward now into the Ohio Valley as well. So the the uh, the extent of uh, the precipitation, like I say, it's very impressive. I mean, to to hold that kind of moisture together north to south is really quite a an atmospheric uh, accomplishment. A lot of times when you get this uh, heavy rain, you know, down in Dallas or the uh, central and eastern part of Texas into the Delta, a lot of times that's where the moisture just kind of uh, concentrates, and you get that heavy rainfall, oh, let's say as uh, far north as the Missouri boot heel, and then uh, north of that you get some lighter showers, but that's about it. Well, that is not the case. And, and you know, I think uh, some of this um, uh, extent of uh, precipitation can be attributed to the fact that soils are so saturated already that it doesn't take very much to spin up a rainfall pattern, but also the, the uh, intensity of the storm system that is now parked over the Minnesota or uh, North Dakota, South Dakota line, uh, kind of around Mobridge, South Dakota, and uh, working eastward, uh, the intensity of that uh, system uh, is uh, energy that uh, probably came from a typhoon that hit Japan a couple weeks ago. Yes. And this, yes. This sounds a little wild, yeah. but the uh, but that storm has recirculated, and it was going through the northern Pacific uh, last week. It is now in the U.S. mainland and helping to generate the kind of uh, intense package that we've got to work with at this point. Yeah, and and uh, this adds a little bit of insult to injury because that big storm that we saw the October 10th through the 12th time frame in the northern plains. That was a ground soaker. That snow, that rain that fell, that really saturated things. Uh, concerns going into the fall as we freeze up and, and concerns probably next spring when it comes to several of these watersheds. Yeah, thank you for mentioning that because uh, everybody who's listening thinks that we've scripted this, but we really no, have not. We're, uh, we're flying but, by the seat of but, our pants. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, and, and uh, you're, you're doing a fine job driving the bus. Thanks. Um, the, the, the reason I bring this up is that uh, this this past week on Thursday, I was on a uh, I was listening into a webinar that uh, the the uh, NOAA Central Region Forecast Group has uh, every month when the uh, monthly forecast updates come out, and I I asked a question about the uh, level of concern for flooding, and I want to uh, just read verbatim. Uh, what uh, Doug Cluck, who is the NOAA Central Region Climate Services Director in Kansas City, had to say about that. Okay. And okay. Uh, this is a direct quote. He said, it is definitely a concern, and to say that it's elevated is an understatement. Um, almost all the Missouri Basin and the upper Midwest now have soil moisture well above normal. Uh, we're looking at equal chances of normal to below normal temperatures during the winter. And if we average normal temperatures, we will freeze the water in the soil. Anything that falls will have complications to it in terms of moisture that comes during the winter. And obviously what we need is an extended period of dryness in a warmer time of year to dry the soils out. And uh, 
Kevin Lau, who is the uh, director of the Missouri Basin uh, Forecast Center for the Corps of Engineers, said that he is very concerned about 2020. He said we're going into the winter wet, and there is some concern that locations uh, will not fall below flood stage through the winter. The setup is bleak, and that is verbatim from the notes that I took from that webinar. Yeah, and we're talking areas that have faced uh, flooding since early spring or early summer, and it just doesn't look like it's going to let up. We're going to talk with Mike Steenhook of the Soy Transportation Coalition later on this week, Bryce. This has got to have some uh, some concerns even for uh, barge traffic and river levels going through the winter. Yes, it does. Uh, my colleague Mary Kennedy, who is our uh, cash market uh, analyst at DTN, uh, is a is a long time. Uh, she she really truly is a veteran of uh, of the uh, transportation scene, and she's done a number of articles all the way through the season that uh, this high water has had and caused uh, some you know some uh, periods of complete outages uh, this season in the barge in the barge traffic, and uh, we're going to see more of that. And then along with that, when we get into next year, there's going to be all sorts of delays in field work as well. We're not going to get as much done this fall as we'd like to, and uh, so that means that uh, there's going to be a, a real crunch again uh, for doing field work this next season. Okay, just really, really briefly, Bryce, uh, South American weather, uh, Brazilian soybean belt in line for uh, perhaps some precipitation this week. Is that correct? Yes, they are. Uh, we're going to see uh, anywhere from one to three inches of rain across the entire Brazil soybean belt. They are on track uh, for average on their soybean planting, right around 20 percent. Now, there's a, a dry pocket in south central Brazil, Paraná State, that is the the uh, slowest on soybean planting since back in 2011. And so that's maybe a potential problem area that uh, is worth keeping track of. And we certainly will do that. Okay. And Argentina's crop areas, uh, light rains indicated this week as well, correct? Yeah, that's about it. Uh, the, the western part of Argentina is quite dry. And if there's a it's that part of the country. Now, the wheat crop in Argentina has already been dialed back because of the dry pattern in uh, Cordoba and western Buenos Aires, and it doesn't look like they're going to get a whole lot of relief this week. Okay, Bryce, thank you very much uh, for your time on this Monday, and uh, we'll try and keep the show on the tracks and uh, get it back for, uh, for you and Mike to visit perhaps next week or sometime in the near future. Great talking to you, Rusty. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much, Bryce. Bryce Anderson from DTN's Ag Meteorologist. Uh, and again, talking about some of those unfavorable conditions, wet weather over the weekend in the Midwest, creating unfavorable harvest conditions for, for several growers. Combined with some snowfall in the Northern Plains, traders expecting this week's crop conditions report from USDA to reflect a delayed harvest. And again, the ag weather forecast calling for unsettled weather in the Midwest. Northern Plains areas, again, looking for so, so many concerns when it comes to high river levels, saturated soils. We had that storm October 10th through the 12th in the Northern Plains. Obviously, extensive crop damage from that heavy rain and snow and more rain and snow on the horizon. So definitely a concern. Coming up later in the show, we're going to be talking with Mike Miner about the agricultural markets. We'll cover the grain and oil seed sector and also livestock, too. Some of the things we're watching in the agricultural markets, any developments when it comes to the U.S. and China trade talks, Japan taking another step to 
put into place that trade deal with the U.S. last week. We'll see what Mike has to think about that. And also check up with Mike about basis levels in the Northern Plains and how the basis has been strengthening because of so many things going on in the markets. That's all coming up straight ahead. I'm Rusty Halverson filling in for Mike Adams here on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. The sounds of success vary from person to person. Success sounds like this to a credence soybean grower. Along with 43 new varieties this year, credence soybeans come with agronomic expertise from BASF. That means expert advisors who bring local insights on seed selection, management decisions, and crop protection options. Knowing the kind of success you're shooting for? That's smart. Talk to your authorized credence retailer or local BASF seed advisor. Always read and follow label directions. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back, everybody. Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network sitting in for Mike this week on AOA. We go now to Mike Miner with Professional Ag Marketing. Mike, how are you doing on this Monday? Not too bad. A little cloudy out there, but we had a productive weekend and a little bit of rain last night. Okay. Now, Mike, uh, uh, tell the audience where you're based out of. So we're based out of... uh, southwestern Minnesota here out of Laverne, and then I uh, I live in Sioux Falls and farm just north of uh, Sioux Falls there as well. So. Okay, okay. Now, did you uh, did you participate like a lot of people did on that, that October 10th through 12th, nice little snowstorm that Mother Nature gave us? What did you get out of that, and what are you getting today? Yeah, so, I mean, we did get a little bit of the snow. We were just far enough east that we really did didn't get completely blanketed anyways but uh you didn't have to go too far northwest of us and they they got the soybeans covered up with snow pretty good and there were still a lot of them around at that time frame so they did get hit with uh with some snow pretty hard but um between that snow and uh, last night's rain there just a couple tents we got um it was a really productive time span you know and in that kind of area around us it's pretty common to be 50% done with soybeans is kind of the area we think and uh, closer to 10% done on corn and in just our area there. So yeah. it's been productive, but... Would you would you like to see uh, sunny in 60s or would you like to see uh, maybe a freeze-up so we can support a little bit more equipment out in the fields? What do you think, Mike? Well, we have been experiencing pretty cold weather here in this part of the Corn Belt so far, so uh, the freeze has kind of done its part. Um, but that corn is still pretty wet. You know, uh, some of the, the drier corn that we've been expecting to get into in our areas have been coming around that 25 to 26% moisture still. And uh, we would really like to see that come down in, uh, in under 20 if we could there. So that's been a little disappointing. But um, And that, then on the soybean side of things, it's pretty, pretty dry for the most part. So 
they've done their job there. Yeah, you know, Mike, I was thinking over the weekend if if I uh, had a choice, I would uh, I'd want to be selling grain dryers and I'd want to be selling power washers to clean off all the equipment after we get done. Hopefully, when we get done. Yeah, no kidding. It's going to be another drawn out uh, harvest here this fall. Okay. Now, uh, on the markets, as we begin this uh, trading week, somewhat subdued. Uh, last time I checked the uh, the screen, uh, an hour into the day, we were a fraction to two lower in corn. A narrow mix in soybean futures saw a little bit of firmness early in the session. What are some of the uh, the main points that traders are looking forward to this week in the markets, do you think, Mike? Yeah. So, I mean... Um, after we've kind of got through the main gist of uh, the information time frame where we came out and we had uh, the WASDE report and uh, we had the first kickoff of harvest and, and uh, we've really got our kind of boots on the ground now and, uh, you know, we've gone through the news of the trade, uh, the phase one announcement. Um, we're kind of getting into this dull period again until we hear more um, from trade and then at this time of the year, exports. So exports are going to be huge. Uh, Brazil, for example, they reported that China booked nearly half a million tons of soybeans uh, from Brazil there through Friday of just last week. And this came after the huge announcement, as I'm sure you'll get to, um, of the 40 to $50 billion that China agreed to buy of agricultural purchases from the U.S. So, um, you know, they're looking at exports as we uh, seasonally kick into a huge increase of U.S. soybean and corn exports at this time of the year, which have been a little disappointing. I mean, the soybeans are holding their own, but uh, corn has been quite disappointing so far on the exports. And then um, overall, uh, big, big uh, weather out of Brazil, and, uh, you know, they're improving, but um, you could see some red flags pop up there as well. So going forward, that's what I think they're going to focus focus on and then just overall harvest progress and what kind of yields are coming in yeah yeah absolutely now when you talk about exports uh recent news uh, that mexico purchased a lot of u.s corn if i remember correctly last week but traders a little disappointed that they didn't see any chinese sales is that correct yeah and uh, china isn't historically a huge buyer of u.s corn right but um, for them to nearly, uh, for them to double their size in U.S. Uh, imports, there over, I, it's going to take a lot more than just some increased soybeans, especially with uh, ASF over there killing a large portion of their hog supply. Um, they're going to need to buy some other U.S. products, and one of them would be corn. And some are uh, speculating that they would uh, need some extra corn to help out with uh, ethanol expansion help out with their pollution um but overall i mean if we get back to these exports that it, it's just been uh, it's been so disappointing for corn so far and uh, that demand destruction that we've seen across the supply and demand sheet over the last few months has been a real killer to the balance sheet um even in light of smaller uh, yields and production out of the U.S. Okay. Now, one thing that we've noticed over the past few weeks, Mike, has been uh, basis levels in the northern plains uh, and and uh, the northern corn belt. When uh, when it comes to corn basis levels, that has been strengthening lately. What's the trend there as we begin this trading week? Do you know? Yeah. So, I mean, basis has been really strong in the fir- first part of this fall, and I think it's key because you look for a big harvest push historically. And when the, when the harvest is drawn out like this, 
it you don't quite get that where you get all the farmers out at the same time and you combine all the corn in just a couple weeks time frame and we're not experiencing that type of uh type of uh, experience here this fall again it was very similar to last year as we saw basis narrow uh narrow upper strengthen through the fall time frame and uh you know that's less corn that's got to go into a bin and it's just bypassing that and going straight into a, a pig's mouth or you know straight into the cow so uh that that's a big important topic when it comes to grain storage going forward too but uh that that strong basis level um uh farmers have really been really been uh, reluctant to let go of this corn we've seen in in their uh, reports from the usda that farmers are willing to hold on to corn longer and we have increased farm storage and then on the on the other side the commercial side we have seen actually lower supplies so that's very that's very supportive of that theory Okay, let's talk about livestock real, real quickly, Mike. Now, uh, for cattle futures, uh, we're near unchanged uh, about an hour into this Monday trading session. It seemed like the futures last week uh, really absorbed that news of the uh, Cargill's Dodge City plant. That, uh, they had a little explosion in a standalone building, I, I under, under, understand. And it seems like the markets had a much more subdued reaction to that event than they did compared to that Tyson fire uh, uh, several weeks ago. Uh, your thoughts on the cattle market, Mike? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting comparison. A lot of fires going on lately, right? But it uh, the the difference between the two is just the time frame that they'll be able to get back on board. The uh, the Tyson one was a lot larger event just based on volume and then time frame they would be out. This Dodge City one there. That, that's going to be a shorter time frame as they get up and running here uh, very quickly. Um, but Packers, after that first fire, we saw a huge spike in Packer margin as that just increased so large with, uh, you know, choice and select cut out um, yeah, minus the cash market. It, it was kind of a bottleneck there. And over the last few weeks now going into the end of September and October, we've really seen that uh, weaken and they're packer margins have really came back out um they're still very good for this time of the year though right so it's uh it's been favorable to uh to the cash market and seasonally this time of the year we do like to see that go up as well but um it's been a long time since we've seen a nice correction in this cattle market um it's not saying that packer margins have to make that happen anytime soon here but it, it would be uh pretty likely that at some point here we see them try to correct themselves at some point but it's been a heck of a rally so far and a large part of that has been how choice and select has just held such a premium compared to normal yeah yeah and uh just briefly mike before we uh before we part ways on this monday morning uh looking at the outside markets the u.s dollar weaker again on on this monday and we're watching those uh, brexit negotiations in the eu equity markets around the world of have been a little bit wobbly. Uh, anything uh, that you're you're keeping an eye on? Yeah, I mean, it, the watching gold is such a, a strong tell of how uh, the talks with the Chinese are going for the U.S. You know, as as that has been kind of unchanged to a little bit weaker now after after all this recent news. And uh, as we increase 
um, you know, uh, these talks and increase these phases going forward, um, we should see things kind of come back to normal when it comes to that. But, I mean, S&P futures have rose um, over optimism with the trade talks, and then the U.S. dollar has devalued pretty greatly with, uh, you know, the Brexit talks and the, and the pound and the euro going up. Um, you know, oil is advanced. It's, uh, we're seeing a lot of a lot of movement all the way across the commodity board and uh, just overall it's kind of a fun time to be watching some of those outside markets as uh, we see all this news kind of come at us so yeah so many things to watch and uh, we appreciate your time here this morning uh, again mike minor professional ag marketing are you on twitter at all mike do you have a twitter handle i do have a twitter handle yeah you can uh, you can go on twitter and follow me there at, uh, at uh, Michael Minor Mar, and uh, you, you can find me there. So, all right, Mike Minor, professional ag marketing. We thank you for your time on this Monday. Have a good week, Mike. Thank you. You as well. You bet, Mike Minor, professional ag marketing. We'll have more coming up in just a bit. Going to get an update on the wheat harvest in the Northern Plains here on AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Mr. Chairman, as a corn root, I speak for millions of my kind who can't be here to defend themselves. Pests are stalking our stocks and undermining our roots. But we can elect to protect with a legacy of strength. Pancho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment system increases nearby microbial activity to help us grow stronger. That's smart. Ladies and gentlemen, please, this is a corn roots movement. Ask your BASF seed advisor about Pancho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment. Always read and follow label directions. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back to AOA. I'm Rusty Halverson, Farm News Director of the American Ag Network, filling in for Mike this week. We send it now to South Dakota, visit with Reed Christofferson, Executive Director of the South Dakota Wheat Commission. Reed, how is your Monday morning going so far? Well, here in Pierce, South Dakota, it's just about par for the course. It is cold, it is raining, and it is windy. Yeah, yeah. And you guys got to participate in that uh, October 10th through the 12th kind of storm that stalled everything out, too. Is that correct? Absolutely. It has just been a nightmare for the uh, the farmers of South Dakota for all commodities, and uh, they're struggling to get it in when they can. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the spring wheat harvest. Now, uh, according to the numbers I've seen, we saw a record low amount of uh, South Dakota spring wheat acres this year, 640,000 acres planted, according to the estimate that I saw. Have we got all those acres off, or are we still kind of picking away at it? 
The uh, the harvest in South Dakota, for the most part, was done uh, a few weeks ago already. Anything that might be out there certainly won't be harvested for grain at this point. But uh, we had a real mixed uh, bag when it came to the spring wheat harvest in South Dakota. Of course, acreage was low, uh, coming off of the extremely uh, wet spring conditions and the uh, uh, 3.8 million acres of prevented plant uh, acres in South Dakota this year. And, uh, of course, we saw that then come through to harvest. But uh, a real cross-section, uh, more central part of the state, uh, pretty decent crop, good yield, good healthy crop. Uh, certainly as you move towards the northeast and got up into that uh, corner of the Fargo-North Dakota corner, uh, it started to fall apart uh, with uh, falling numbers and dawn and the moisture and color and uh, just about everything you could guess. Yeah, and, and any late harvest now, uh, like you said, the bushels that you take off won't be won't be all that hot would would you read uh, would you try and blend some of that wheat in or would you keep it separate from the good wheat how would you approach that well most of it really was good wheat i don't want to uh, diminish that uh, concept uh, where we had some problems uh, it uh, the problems were significant enough that that wheat's not going to be blended in in some cases uh in the falcon area i heard of uh, 60 bushel wheat with high down that was just disked under uh, certainly as you move in and start experiencing some falling number issues uh, all of the uh, extension advice would uh, certainly encourage you not to be blending that wheat you're just asking for more problem yeah now are we coming on the uh, winter wheat planting campaign uh, for uh, the acres uh, planted are we at 90 percent a little beyond what do you think uh, are we done we're right at a week ago we were at 87 percent planted we're actually uh, ahead of the five-year average in last year and the same with emergence at 66 percent emerged and uh, 76 percent of that wheat already being rated good to excellent i think though once again we're going to see uh, diminished acres we're seeing the start of the same issues we saw in the fall of 2018 um, good anticipation good intentions uh, farmers wanted to get that wheat back into the rotation but extremely wet conditions um, talked to a, a producer just this last week from west of here in south dakota um, intentions of wanting to put in the thousand acres of winter wheat uh, got zero planted wow. so uh, i think we are on track for seeing another very low year of uh, winter wheat as well okay south dakota wheat commission what is your mission read what do you do on a daily basis well, we manage the uh, the checkoff for the producers of South Dakota and uh, reinvest that uh, funds on their behalf into uh, research, into uh, market development, and uh, consumer education. Okay. What are some of the uh, most recent projects that you've been working on, Reed? Our uh, big emphasis is, of course, research, and that uh, focus is upon uh, South Dakota State University with both the development of our public varieties for both hard red winter and hard red spring. So as we look at the uh, the breeding uh, expenses, as we look at the developments in agronomics, pathology, and uh, all of the other uh, issues of disease control, uh, look at the technology that they need both in the laboratory and in the field and the facilities to uh, develop those new varieties. Uh, that continues to be our focus. Okay. Now, back uh, a long time ago, I worked with uh, North Dakota State University on the extension side up at the Williston Research Center, and we worked with a lot of new varieties, lots of test plots. Is there anything coming down the technology pipeline for wheat that you're excited about, Reed? 
Well, there's certainly some uh, interesting things on the horizon within our uh, private companies. And uh, as we talk about hybrids and some of the uh, the new breeding technologies, but uh, we're equally excited about the uh, the varieties that are being released by uh, Dr. Segal and Dr. Glover at uh, South Dakota State and uh, continually trying to develop um, varieties that uh, will produce, that will withstand the disease pressure, and uh, that will produce the, uh, the milling quality that is wanted by our consumers. Okay. I talked with uh, Spencer Chase earlier in the show today, a native from South Dakota. He and I talked about a small little football game coming up be- uh, between South Dakota State University and North Dakota State University later on this week. Do you have a dog in that fight, Reed? <laughs> well, certainly with two degrees from South Dakota State University, I'm blue and yellow jackrabbits all the way. But all right. it's going to be a good game, and it got even more exciting now with the, uh, the announcement of ESPN for game day coverage. Yeah, absolutely, and they've brought that show to Fargo. It's an electric atmosphere, and I think it's going to be electric in, uh, in Brookings, too. Uh, are you going to have a chance to uh, see the game, do you think? I won't get there in person, but I'll be tuning into it by radio, and uh, the local radio stations are already, of course, uh, touting the fact of the millions of dollars of great publicity that this is going to bring to both universities yeah. with exposure of the programs that we have. Yeah, absolutely. And when it comes to when it comes to football uh, rivals, but when it comes to a lot of the uh, educational research and things that we do, North Dakota State, South Dakota State University. I think uh, we get along fairly well, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely, especially in the research field. Uh, I have a lot of opportunity to get on campus with uh, Northern Crops Institute and uh, work with the uh, the breeders up there. Uh, great talent and great, great uh, collaboration. Okay, all right. Reed Christofferson with South Dakota Week Commission. Thank you for your time on this Monday. Thank you. Okay, we'll talk to you later. That is our show for today. You are listening to AOA.